Welcome back to another edition of the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. It's me, Len Testa, and this is our show for the week of October 21st, 2019. On the show today, Disney patents a new kind of ride vehicle, and we look at guest ratings for Galaxy's Edge and to Epcot Forever. And in our main segment, we talk to Robert and Alyssa Simmons, a couple who are spending a year living in Walt Disney World hotels. Before we do all that, let's bring in the man who asks... If climate change isn't real, then why did Club Penguin shut down? It's Mr. Jim Hill. Jim, how's it going? I'm doing well, and though I'm looking out my window at, at climate change, even as we speak, we have a, a nor'easter going on. Yeah. Are you in New York today? or I'm in New York today, but only for a minute. I'm uh, heading back to Florida in time for Halloween. It's uh, it's like 60 mile an hour winds here in the city. Particularly with the concrete canyons there. It's just sort of like you can do Mary Poppins without even trying. <laughs> So. <laughs> There's no point in bringing an umbrella out. I actually had this idea where I would use an umbrella and rollerblades to get where I was going faster than the subway, but I would have to be going only uptown. Only uptown. Well, I was thinking, what are the effect of, dude, it has to be a heading away from the Hudson. So, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> I think unless if, uh, you have things get bad, in Queens, you, might, you know. Yeah, I, might, I might miss all of Manhattan and end up by you in Vermont uh, or New Hampshire. There we go. There we go. All right, Jim, let's, uh, let's do a quick shout out to subscribers over at DisneyDish.Bandcamp.com. Thanks to new subscribers, John S., M. Schmidt, and Jedi R., and long-time subscribers, Alex B., C. Sternolio, and Kelly R. You know, Jim, these are the folks who recruit new birds and run rehearsals at the Enchanted Tiki Room. So if you've ever wondered why Kelly walks around with a pocket full of crackers, it's because you never know when show business will call. True story. I, I always thought that was because Kelly had small children. But okay, that that's... Birds, uh, this, same this thing. This more, makes more sense. Okay. <laughs> more so, sense, much more here. sense. Yeah. <laughs> yes, this is where I carry goldfish crackers for um for kids. Yes, exactly. Jim, uh, let's do the news. The Disney Dish News is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Disney Dish podcast. For a worry-free travel experience every time, book online at storybookdestinations.com. Jim, news today out of Galaxy's Edge that Disney has given up on the unique food names in the restaurants. Gone are names like Fried Indorian Tip Yip and Felucian Garden Spread. In their places, Jim, are simplified names like Fried Chicken. And smoked pork ribs. Hats off, uh, Jim, to Disney for for trying this. I gotta wonder. We think we've talked about this before. Whether this was a casualty of the smartphone era, where people look at an item name like fried Indorian tip yip or braised shock roast, and they don't know what it is, so they just skip the restaurant. What do you think? Was chatting with a friend who's working in the operations team there, and they said one of the factors actually with with these name changes is the fact that people would get to the front of the line to order food. And they'd been in line the entire time looking at these names and they'd vapor lock. What am I ordering? I just- What is I, this? Uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge is so hyper detailed that this eventually was decided, look, this is information overload. Just give them a simple name for a simple sandwich so they can order it quickly and step out of line. I noticed this comes on the heels of Disney actually putting the words restrooms in signage above the, the refreshers. That were in Galaxy's Edge. This is kind of the history of, you know, all Disney theme parks. You open it and then the public tells you what changes you need to make. And, you know, just something like that. Yes, that's wonderful theming, but I'm sorry. I really need to pee now. I don't need to stand here and go, okay, don't make me go to the broom closet. I need the convenience now. So, 
In retrospect, refreshers sounds a little bit like a uh, a mint or a nice <laughs> cool fruity drink. I, I uh, was, was about to say that, that the Mentos commercial that be, that ends somehow with Chewbacca helping you out. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's it. That said, I I kind of liked the original names. I thought it was good uh, place setting. I'm a little sad to see them go. They're having conversations right now with the team that's setting up the restaurant spaces for the Star Wars Hotel. And to the effect of we had you know, these these elaborate menus that we're going to hand to people. And does this mean the wait staff has to explain to every item that's in Everything. the menu? You know, yeah. that's chicken. Well, that's beef. Well, you know. On the menu, though, they had the words mm-hmm. like next to uh, roasted and dorian tip yip salad. They had the words marinated chicken served with mixed greens. I mean, all you had to do was read the description. Ah, but you say that you had to <laughs> I'm, read. I'm overestimating, like, James, aren't I? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Fair enough. Jim, I want to talk about a, a new Disney patent that was just published, and it shows a new kind of ride vehicle. The patent is 2019-0302-776-A1, published October 3rd. It's Imagine you're, you've got an air hockey table divided into grids like graph paper. And on the air hockey table is the puck, and you're sitting on the puck in four chairs. Uh, there are four chairs, each around a center center square console. Like imagine a uh, uh, a Pac-Man console display table sized version with four chairs around it, all on top of an air hockey puck on an air hockey table. That's what the ride looks like. And the patent explains that there's a need for a kind of game where all the players have to cooperate to score points or succeed in the game or the attraction. So imagine you're going through this, uh, you're on this air hockey table, right? You're riding this air hockey thing. You can steer your puck, if you will, towards things uh, like signs on the ground that say 100 points or get more time, right? So the players have to cooperate to figure out how to do that. It sounds moderately interesting jim what's what's disney going for here what kind of what kind of ride is this in much the same way as rethinking the restaurant for star wars galaxy's edge the hard lesson that they've learned with millennium falcon is these sorts of rides where people have to cooperate to have Mm -hmm. an enjoyable ride experience sometimes it's someone who's deliberately driving the millennium falcon into the ground and you know when somebody's stood in line for two hours to have this experience and it's ruined by one member of the party. This idea for an attraction uh, has been going forward. In fact, what's kind of interesting, Glenn, is if you look at the setup, it really, it it's kind of a four-person take on the old flying saucers, the, the Ouija. That's what I was thinking. Flying tires. But there's been, inside of Imagineering, a pivot away from these cooperative game experiences uh, based largely on what they now have in hand for six months of operation of Millennium Falcon. Sometimes there are people who just enjoy crashing the Millennium Falcon into the ground. And, you know, how would you like to be on something like this where it's a cooperation-driven game and one of the four, their idea of fun is is deliberately tanking the game. Yeah, I think that's the thing that they have to worry about with all of these things, that somebody gets in and, and screws everything up. In an ideal world, Len, this would be terrific. They're getting all of this practical experience in regard to Galaxy's Edge. And it's just, for me, it's just going to be fascinating going forward what we, we see when, you know, we get these new Star Wars lands built for Paris and Hong Kong. And 
the lessons they're going to take from Orlando and Anaheim and apply. It might be a, a less expensive second or third attraction, too. This is true. This is true. If what we're literally looking at here is that, that the game you're playing is you're cleaning the floors at Oga's Cantina. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> why does it why does it smell like Mr. Clean and what's that liquid coming out? Why are we going down Main Street? <laughs> it's, it's a game we like to call scrubbing bubbles. There we go. <laughs> oh my god, they should totally do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jim, speaking of Galaxy's Edge, I want to go over the uh, the latest attraction ratings for the Galaxy's Edge attractions and then for uh, Epcot Forever as well. So we talked earlier about how Millennium Falcon sort of had a shaky start in Walt Disney World, but the ratings have improved since then. So uh, recall that for, uh, for the unofficial guide for touringplans.com, we give out ratings by age group. And when we survey people, we ask them whether, for example, the people in the party were in preschool in grade school, whether they're teens or young adults or over 30s or seniors. And it turns out that uh, for every age group other than preschoolers in Walt Disney World, they all give Millennium Falcon 4.5 stars out of five. Preschoolers, obviously, because it's, a, it's an intense attraction, have a little bit lower rating, uh, giving it a rating of three stars. So that's good enough for top 10 in the park. It's still outside of the top five attractions in the park because some age groups rate things like Tower of Terror, a rock and roller coaster, or Fantasmic with five stars. So uh, so still not in the top five in the park. But 4.5 uh, is not bad at all for a new attraction. So that's definitely got better. It's also got better at Disneyland too. So that's good. That's a good improvement, right? It means that as more people see it, uh, more people like it. Yeah, That's and, good. And, you know, I don't know if you've seen the national television ad campaign, but Spalco's Run is still front and center, though what's interesting is they have begun swapping in scenes from Rise of the Resistance. Sure, we're getting close now. We're within two months of it. I was fascinated to see the new mailer that Disney Destinations sent out. Did, did you hear about this, Len? No. Okay, it's, it's promoting going to Walt Disney World in the winter and spring of uh, 2019, 2010. And, right. and so, okay, okay. Okay, so think about it. All right, you know, and I get that, you know, that, that Disney has a sophisticated mailing operation, but I, I was puzzled when it, it arrived here at the house and what they were using to promote that period was Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, not Rise <laughs> of the Resistance. The whole push of this particular promotion about getting you to book a Walt Disney World vacation, it's time to run away to the Walt Disney World Resort with, with Mickey. And they were specifically specifically targeting winter? Winter 2009, spring 2020. That was when the various vacation packages were all being offered. I wonder, if, um, I wonder if they're, uh, if, they're well, if they send in October, maybe they're anticipating you're going to book in January, and at that point, Rise will be open? I guess, but you know, the Rise just opens on December 5th. Wouldn't that be the, especially since this is supposed to be the next gen of all next gen attractions, wouldn't yeah. that be the thing you'd push? I'm sure they're doing A-B testing on this. Because the last Disney mailing I got actually mm -hmm. didn't mention any attractions. It mentioned the Riviera. Hmm. Interesting. So we're all, we're all being, we're all being uh, uh, tested here. There we go. Jim, speaking of uh, Galaxy's Edge, we also have to mention the rating for Oga's Cantina. Mm -hmm. So our latest ratings, uh, 261 reviews of it, 81% uh, thumbs up. That's actually much below average rating. Uh, mm -hmm. People that we've talked to said that it's uh, it's hard to get into. And it's very expensive. 
Well, um, you saw the news that broke well, like a day or so ago that in addition to what the veggie items that they're now going to start offering at like Ronto's Roaster and Docking Bay 7, that mm-hmm. they've added a 60-day booking window for Ogre's Cantina. So, yeah. And now only through the app, apparently, you can... Uh, uh, Disney's getting rid of uh, phone-based uh, reservations as well. The finessing continues, Lynn. The finessing does continue, Jim. Uh, one more thing, uh, Epcot Forever, the new show at, uh, at Epcot. Uh, we actually don't have enough ratings for any group except for the over 30s, which is, I think is actually the target demographic for this. So that's fine. Uh, 4.5 stars out of 5. So uh, good, a good start. We'll see if, uh, if more people uh, show up for it. Uh, one last thing I wanted to talk about real quick, and this is, this is for our true Disney fans. It's Wonders of China's film may have deleted scenes. And again, we're getting into conspiracy theory thing here, but uh, I've been visiting the Buddy Baker archives at New York University. So Buddy Baker was hired as a music composer by Walt back in 1954. He did much of the music for Disney theme parks around the world, including the original score for Haunted Mansion. When he passed away in 2002, his wife Charlotte donated the music collection to NYU, and I've been going through it. So there's some uh, fantastic stuff there. Uh, for a brief moment last week, I held in my hand some of the original sheet music for The Haunted Mansion. My first thought uh, when the librarians handed it to me was that they were terrible judges of character. But they did, however, make me sit at the desk literally in front of them. So <laughs> so maybe not so bad, Jim. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, the way, uh, the way Buddy worked was this. Somebody would bring him a film or a script, usually very close to the final product, and ask Buddy to come up with a musical score for each scene of the film or each scene of the ride. For example, the archives has Buddy's copy of the American Adventure script, dated August 3rd, 1981, a full year before the attraction opened at Epcot. And the script has not only the dialogue we hear, but stage directions and sound effects. So for films, he knew exactly how many seconds of film were in each scene, down to the fraction of a second. So Buddy would take all of that and go scene by scene, some of which are maybe 15 seconds long, and compose music for it. And he would, he would write it out by hand, and as he would write it out by hand on you know, giant sheets of paper you know, formatted for musical scores, he would write notes to himself on the score, reminding himself what he's seeing in each scene so that he knew how to match the music. By the way, uh, the American Adventure script was fully locked down by August of 1981, a full year before it opened. Uh, it doesn't deviate at all from what we see today, in case that was the question. Anyway, one of the music scores that Buddy worked on was the original World Showcase film, Wonders of China, which ran from 1982 to 2003. And in reading Buddy's notes on the score itself, I found a couple of places where the Wonders of China film that we ended up with wasn't what Buddy saw. So that's different from the American Adventure in that this film apparently got edited after Buddy did the score. And the score seems to deviate in three or four places. And by the way, uh, I actually went back onto YouTube and watched this scene by scene and compared it to the notes. So this is how I know. So the 12th scene Shanghai literally has two scores written with two different sets of scenes. And it looks like Disney combined some of each of them in the final film. In the first version of Shanghai, there's a street scene, a cop in traffic, people cooking and selling food, men playing games, a man with glasses, and then harbor and restaurants. In the alternate scene, it's the same street scene, the same cop in traffic, but a bakery, men in a park, acrobats, in a street at night and a port shot. So again, it looks like if you've watched the film, it looks like these things were combined and some of them were left off, uh, which was super interesting. The, uh, the other thing was uh, in the second clip, which was the Forbidden City in Tiananmen Square, they start off in the square 
and then there's sort of a time lapse of the square filling up with people, and then it goes to night. You, from, you remember this one? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So Buddy's notes indicate that we should be seeing National Day, which is October 1st in the square, but we don't. Instead, we just do a time lapse from day to night. So I wonder why that wasn't included. The other two things are uh, in scene 1J, where uh, Li Po starts by talking about how the history of China might uh, be written with water instead of ink. So we, we start in the river in the film that we all know, and then we stay in the river. But we should have seen a helicopter takeoff instead, because you wrote a score with the notes, helicopter takes off here. And we didn't get that. The final one is, and this is some uh, some scenes were, that were completely swapped out. The reed flute cave scene and the Yi people scene don't appear at all in Buddy's notes. But there is a reference to this thing called White Goat Valley, which is, as far as I can tell, is in Quichao in southwest China. Uh, and China is one of the biggest exporters of cashmere, so White Goat Valley makes sense. Uh, but it doesn't appear to have ended up in the film. And you know what that means, Jim? That means you could, you're you headed back to an archive. Maybe not this archive, right? <laughs> I, Jim, it means that somewhere there's a director's cut of this original film, and now I need to see it. <laughs> Actually, it's funny. The, the guy that directed the film has done talks for Disney fan clubs. So I'm going to try and bring him on the show. We're going to talk, we're going to talk about this. It was only February of 1972 that Nixon went to China. So right. the fact that, you know, they, they here was this pavilion with this amazing 360 film, uh, Circle yep. Vision, uh, that had been shot in China. But the, the, it's not going to surprise anybody who's been following what's been going on with LeBron and, and South Park this past week or so. But the Chinese are very concerned about how they're perceived in the media and you have to wonder did they show this particular represent you know the early version that buddy had scored to chinese representatives and for some reason you know for example the thing you mentioned men playing games got swapped out just for men in uh men in park or or maybe they thought that the man who, who was wearing glasses you know wasn't a particularly attractive you know a representative of the culture of shanghai and that's why they oh that makes sense so uh, so maybe they uh, maybe they got rid of the uh, the farming thing uh, with the white goat valley scene because it uh, didn't represent modern china that makes that's sense that's it exactly uh, but yes let's reach out to the gentleman who directed let's let's see if he has some stories to share i'd love to hear about this all right we will we'll do that all right uh, jim uh, I want to mention this before we go to break. Uh, there are at least half a dozen theme park songs that nobody has ever heard before for rides that were never built in the archives. Uh, we're talking with Disney Music Publishing about getting the rights to these songs so you can hear them, along with the stories of the attractions. We hope to have them uh, to you guys soon on DisneyDish.BankCamp.com. So if you're not yet a subscriber, head on over there to sign up for when they come out. All right, Jim, when we uh, come back, we're going to talk with Robert and Alyssa Simmons, a couple who are living in Walt Disney World hotels for a year. It's living the dream, I call it, Jim. We'll be right back. All right, our guests today on the show are Robert and Alyssa, a couple who are living the dream that many of us have, and that's living in Walt Disney World for a year. Robert and Alyssa, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. You guys are are doing something crazy and let me let me give a little bit of an introduction here we met in the lounge uh at the grand destino on opening day right yep 
and we just happened to sit next to each other and we started talking. And I think my first question was, uh, I think it was to Robert was, was what's your favorite resort? And I think you laughed for like five minutes <laughs> and it was, and, and then there was something like, let me tell you a story. <laughs> so why don't you, why don't you guys uh, give our listeners an overview here? Who, who, who are you? Where are you from to begin with? Like, let's, let's, let's start with the basis that you, you are normal people, right? <laughs> yeah. We're not some uh, eccentric, wealthy billionaires. So where, where are you guys from? So I grew up in central North Carolina and we came down here to Disney World on vacation a couple times a year, pretty much my whole life because I'm the oldest of 11. And this is a place where all of us could come and have something to do that we would enjoy. So uh, I kind of grew up with that love for Disney. And then I went to Northwest Indiana outside Chicago for college. And that is where I met Alyssa. So I grew up in Northwest Indiana. Um, that's where uh, my whole family's from. And we went to college and a mutual friend introduced us. Well, listen, were you a big Disney fan at the time? So when I went to college, my family and I had gone to Disney twice. Okay. I watched more Disney movies than anything. So I had the love of the Disney movies and the songs, but I hadn't necessarily been to Disney a lot. As much as Robert's family. Uh, I guess I'm assuming you and Robert went to Disney World a couple of times as you were dating <laughs> when you were first married. Yes? Uh, so on our second date, I had to ask her some very important questions to see if the relationship would move forward. And, <laughs> and the first question was, how do you feel about kids? Being that I had younger siblings that are 20 years younger than me. And the second question was, how do you feel about Disney? <laughs> because those were my two deal breakers. <laughs> I right. thought it was a really weird lineup of questions. Yeah, Disney should come first, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. right? so all right. So what do you? What do you so he he asks you the Disney question, Alyssa. What are you? What are you thinking? Yes. Yeah, so um, I love Disney, and I obviously did not have that passion for Walt Disney World at the time. But he made sure that I did. By the time um, we went together with his family um, over right after Christmas one year. And then for our honeymoon, we went on a week-long Disney cruise and then went to Walt nice. Disney World for a week right after. And how did you feel about Walt Disney World at the end of that week? Oh, I loved it. It was not like anything I had ever been to. It really was its own world. You just disappear from the rest of the world for a while. And uh, was, it, was it the first time with Robert uh, that you stayed on site or uh, did you stay on site with your family? Um, I'm pretty sure it was the first time I'd ever stayed on site. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, all right. So you guys get married. Uh, you're in the middle of your happily ever after. Uh, who who came up with the idea of of living in, in Walt Disney World? So, so two, uh, two questions. One, whose idea was it? And then two, what kind of speech do you or what kind of talk do you give to the other one to broach the subject of, oh, by the way, I've got this idea. I'll start with Alyssa. Go ahead. Okay. Well, thankfully, there wasn't a huge speech because I'm not sure there's a gift big enough for that um, conversation. But right. um, it was kind of, it wasn't like one day we just came up with this idea. It was kind of a progression of realizing that Robert was working from home. Yep. And so he could work from anywhere. And we realized it one day when we were waiting for Tragical Express um, that we didn't have to leave. We could really stay as long as we wanted, as long as we worked. So we decided to make our next trip longer. And then it was like, well, how long can we make a trip? And then it just kind of went from there to a month, six months, a year. 
well, what if? And it kind of turned into this crazy adventure. Wow. Okay. So, so you guys decide that you, you don't have to leave, which I love, by the way, I guess that, that epiphany moment where it's like, I could, we could be here forever. Uh, you, you decide that you want to do it logistically. What, what happens? Cause we have, we've all got this idea, right? All of us, everybody listening to the show right now has had the idea about moving to Walt Disney world for a year, <laughs> right? Establishing residency. What, what were some of the big steps that you needed to make to turn that sort of dream into a reality? So the first step was definitely the planning and figuring out what does a year look like for us. Um, when she said it kind of grew, that was all in the course of like a day. <laughs> we really? Went, we went from uh, being here thinking we could stay an extra week to wanting to stay a whole year. And okay, that fell to me because I'm definitely the data guy. And I was running numbers on the flight on the way home to figure out <laughs> how much this would cost <laughs> and how we can make it work. I should say this part I was unaware of until later on. So. Oh, really? So, so you had the uh, you had the Robert, you had the numbers done. Yep. By the time we got home that evening, I had a spreadsheet with some estimates on it. Wow. All right. And so, so Alyssa, Robert brings the spreadsheet to you, and you're like. I'm not, I didn't sign up for this or <laughs> tell me more. I'm intrigued. Um, what, what's so your initial reaction to this? Initially, I think I thought he was crazy. I'm the safety person for sure, but okay. he had the numbers to back it up. And it's kind of hard to argue with logic for the most part. And so I didn't really have a comeback from that. Like when he presents, you never, you don't have to clean or cook for a year. Really hard to argue with that one. Like, okay. Yeah, sign me up. All right. And, but so you, you mentioned that Robert was working from home, but you were you were not working from home. You, you had a job. So I actually work with him in the marketing agency. So ah, cool. we work together there. It's, so not bad at all. So okay. So you guys are both both mobile. Mm -hmm. All right. So you decide you make the you make the 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 decision to do it. You probably you have a house, right? You have you have a car. You have possessions. What what happens to those things? Well, we had to start getting rid of them. <laughs> yeah, okay. Right. So we had, uh, I say we, Alyssa did most of the work, but we had probably 10 yard sales in the summer of 2018 just to get rid of all the furniture we could and as much stuff as we could. And we were fixing up the house in the meantime to sell it. It was in good shape. We were just doing some cosmetic stuff to increase the value. And okay. um, it was... A long process. It, we we finally made the decision to actually go for it in January of 2018. So it took us almost a year to get to that point that we were okay. ready to go. And then you you uh, what was your start date? What start date did you guys have in mind for this? January 1st, 2019. Okay. And did you make that date? Yeah. We were right. here actually on the 30th, but we didn't come stay on property till the first. Okay. So a couple of things before we uh, we go through your stays. Did you guys come up with any sort of rules or constraints or anything around um, around where you're staying at? I mean, obviously, there are so many days in the year that you could actually stay at each resort multiple times. You could probably stay at each room category. <laughs> Not about each room category, but you could be pretty close, you could. right? You could do every room what, category. Yeah. Okay. So do you, did you have any like rules or constraints around the stays, like minimum number of nights, anything like that when you uh, got started? Any sort of preconceived notions about how this was going to work? 
Yes. So we didn't want to do one night just because our sanity and that doesn't really give you a good feel for the room type or the resort. So it was a minimum of two nights, but um, we do work to do three as much as possible. And we didn't do any of the big um, suites or presidential suites, anything like that. We were mainly focusing on the ones that an average American family could enjoy um, when they come to Walt Disney World and what they're looking to see when they come. Oh, so that makes complete sense. So standard view rooms, um, studio suites rather than like, you know, grand villas, things like that. No, we even included um, club level and the grand villas, but we kind of drew the line on the cash side of things at a thousand dollars a night. Okay. So that's your, that's your max a thousand dollars a night. Uh, roughly. I mean, some of the rooms will get more than that in this peak season, but um, like Grand Floridian's main building rooms, those get pretty expensive in peak season. But if you right. do it in the off season, it's not as bad. So we kept that one on the list, but none of the one and two bedroom suites on the cash side of things. On the okay. vacation club side, we went ahead and decided to do all the rooms because it's a little bit different because people who have vacation club are either using it for their whole family or sharing with a couple families or maybe renting points. Right. So you're, it's not the equivalent of what the cash list price is for that room. That's true. All right. So, uh, so the obvious question, have you been to all the resorts so far? <laughs> <laughs> we finally accomplished the last resort in September. It took us until September because of really? availability and just the way everything worked. It was Bay Lake tower. That was the final one. Oh, okay. And was there a particular kind of room that you were looking for at Bay Lake Tower? No, it was just the first time we'd ever stayed there. Really? What'd you think? Uh, We really like it. It is higher on our list of DVC resorts, but it is not at the top, specifically the studio. And you stayed in the studio? We've stayed in the studio two and three bed so far. We've not stayed in the one bed until mid-November. So you stayed in a uh, you stayed in a, a a grand villa at Bay Lake Tower, just the two of you. We had friends with us. Oh, I was gonna say that's it. Yeah. We, so because of the, uh, I, I live value. six minutes away. If you guys need an extra, thing, <laughs> Laurel and I will come over. We'll, we'll split some food. All right. Because of the uh, the point value for the bigger rooms and the way right. DVC works, January and September and the first two weeks of December are the lowest point cost for each room. So those are the times that we've done the two and three bedrooms. And it also just happened to be the times that family and friends were coming in town. So we've shared pretty much the entire time we've had big rooms with family and friends. Fantastic. All right. Uh, So you mentioned uh, that Bay Lake Tower was now higher on your list. Uh, So that leads to the obvious question. I'll start with Alyssa. (laughs) Alyssa, what's your uh, favorite hotel in each category and why? Mm. Ooh, and why? Oh, that's a good one. Um, yeah. so start with the values. We'll start with value. That's just the easiest. Um, so value resorts, pop century is my favorite. Um, you have the convenience of being able to walk to art of animation, um, for yep. different food options. And the view is, a, is just beautiful and they have really good activities there. Um, I really enjoy that resort. And of course the remodeled rooms just look amazing there. Then, um, moderate, I, my personal all-time favorite is Coronado Springs. That's just my personal favorite. Um, I like the activities there. I love the food, quick service and table service. And I also love the activities. The res- I just love that resort. That's my actual... What are, your, what are your feelings on the change to Pepper Market? She had never experienced it before. Oh. <laughs> oh. 
All right. Okay. Uh, there, there's probably a YouTube video where we can uh, we can show it to you. All right. Fair enough. All right. So uh, so uh, so then go, moving on to deluxes. Okay. And then deluxe. Ooh, probably Wilderness Lodge. That's, really? What do you like I, about Wilderness Lodge? Well, I'll let Robert explain all that because that's his all-time favorite resort. So he <laughs> has strong opinions about that one. Um, but we do like the food and the atmosphere there and the vibe. It fits us. It's our personalities. Um, and then the deluxe villas would have to be Old Key West. I love Old Key West. What do you like about So uh, Old Key West is my favorite uh, DVC as well. What, what do you like about it? So they have great activities. They have the community hall. And right. I love just how relaxing that resort is. Just walking around it, you relax. What do you think of the uh, the refurbished rooms? Oh, they look so much better. They right. just feel cleaner. I noticed, <laughs> they, uh, I noticed they, they added uh, a little bit of uh, Disney characters to the artwork on the walls. And I, and I, wasn't, I wasn't sure how, how people would react to that. What's, uh, what's your opinion on it? Oh, I love it. My, one of our favorite pictures now is Mickey and Minnie watching the sunset on the beach, holding hands in the cha- beach chairs. It's so right. cute. Yeah, in general, we're big fans of having subtle Disney in the rooms <laughs> because if you're paying the money to be in a Disney resort, you kind of expect a little bit of Disney. Um, that being said, we don't want every room to be Art of Animation. Right. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, you don't need the uh, the, the giant icons. Uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah but, but right. I mean, there are unnamed resorts that have hardly any Disney in the rooms at all, and it's... Kind of like why I'm why is it on Disney property then? <laughs> I, I have I have feelings and I know which resorts you're talking about. Right, so, <laughs> so Robert, what's your favorite uh, value resort? Uh, my favorite value is also Pop Century uh, for many of the same reasons she had, but I like the food court there too. So um, compared to the All Stars, except for All Star movies where they have the secret menu that has the cinnamon roll cheeseburger, that was amazing. <laughs> I, I will trek over there for that once in a while because that was really good. A cinnamon. I, I don't, I'm not sure. I've uh, I've heard of the cinnamon roll cheeseburger. Is it what it oh sounds like? A, yeah. A so you go to the All Star Movies uh, window there, and you ask for the secret menu, and they give you a Viewmaster with a secret menu inside that you click through. It's amazing, fun experience. And then the burger is just a giant cinnamon roll cut in half, and a cheeseburger in the middle, just like a donut cheeseburger. I'm fascinated and horrified all at the same time. I, <laughs> these are literally mixed emotions. So do they, do they give you like a side of like uh, anti-cholesterol medication <laughs> when you like a needle that comes with it, like inject yourself before you eat this? They, like, they actually have a defibrillator on site. So right on site. <laughs> there's somebody next to you that's just rubbing them together, like <laughs> getting ready. And he did all eat right. the whole thing. I did not eat one bite of that. I'm, I'm I, with you on the horrified. I did not try it. I, I would I would watch it again with fascination, kind of like the way that I would watch, you know, like a Disney nature film where there's animals chasing other animals for food. I would I would look at it that way. I think it's you he, know more so. He like looked like he genuinely enjoyed it. I just sat there, not enjoying looking at it. So. Cinnamon and hamburger. I'm trying to think of how that would go together. Yeah, it was. I was worried about it, but it was good. 
All right. All right. Fair enough. And then we've learned something about the secret menu. That's good. <laughs> All right, Robert, what's your favorite uh, moderate? Uh, favorite moderate. I also like Coronado Springs, but I think my favorite for a Disney trip is French Quarter. Um, Coronado Springs is great, but I love French Quarter's how small it is and everything right. is real close together. And then I also love their food court there. Um, the beignets are great and they also have a beignet burger. You're sensing a theme with my my favorites, I think. Uh, the beignet burger is essentially a cheeseburger with beignets for the bun. That was my favorite post-race meal for the uh, races this year. And I'm totally doing that again in the future because that was awesome. But wow. French Quarter is very high on my list. And you also have proximity to Riverside if you want different food or want to go to boat rights for table service. So. Good point. All right. And then you can always take the uh, the boat over to, uh, to Disney Springs too, right? Fantastic. And we know that your uh, favorite deluxe is Wilderness Lodge. It's one of the top, uh, one my, my favorites as well. What do you like about it? Oh my goodness, everything. Uh, so first off, their location is close enough to Magic Kingdom that you are right there by it, but not so close that you have all the noise and the light and the distraction. It feels like you're getting away when you go back to your resort. You also don't have the monorail, which for mm. me is a plus, not a negative. Um, but the rooms there, I love the theming. I love how they're Disney, but also just very, it's kind of like Polynesian, very themed. And mm -hmm. I like that. I'm a little bit interested to see how the uh, remodel goes when they start that. But I have a feeling they're going to keep some of that theming in there. And then uh, just the resort itself, the layout. I like the resorts that are kind of self-contained instead of mm -hmm. campus style makes it a lot easier to get to your room and all the food and everything. And then they have great food options there, which that's a big deal for me. Uh, Whispering yep. Canyon and uh, Artist Point Storybook Dining with Snow White is really good. And then they have that bison burger. Oh my goodness, that bison burger. <laughs> out at, out <laughs> at uh, Geyser Point, it is the best burger I've had on property. So Really? The bison burger? All right, that's a tip. We're learning a lot today about food. Too. <laughs> I, uh, I, I think the, uh, the renovations that they've done at Wilderness Lodge over the last couple of years have been absolutely fantastic. The whole resort looks good. Um, I'm, I'm not uh, quite sold on storybook dining yet, only because I, uh, I, 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 it's a character meal where I don't think they needed a character meal. I understand why they did it. Um, but, but the rest of that, I think, is uh, fantastic. Have you guys tried the new um, Nature Fireworks View rooms at Wilderness Lodge? We have not. We were there okay. in a room that was considered standard, but we had fireworks view. <laughs> right. So, okay. so uh, I, I'm wondering if it got reallocated to to that. It's one of the one of the fascinating things uh, for me about Disney is how they're constantly tinkering with the room categories mm -hmm. to get slight upcharges. You know, on uh, so they'll actually you know change the the categories of like 30 rooms at Wilderness Lodge to get 10 more dollars a night on it, and because yep. over the long term it makes it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Also, all their right, so, uh, club level there is my favorite of all of them. You, you know, I think that's the only club level I've never been to. What, oh uh, what do you like about it? So you have to factor in the food, what's available there as far as amenities and the service. Those are kind of the three things. And then the lounge itself, I guess, is a factor. But when you think about the fact that Wilderness Club Level lost 50% of their room capacity when Copper Creek was built. Right. They now have a lot more personal service than any other club level. Uh, that is the 
biggest factor for me is the level of service is just unmatched anywhere else. And so oh, I really love that. They do have great food. They bring up food from uh, Whispering Canyon, stuff like that. They have amazing food. But the the service is the big kicker for me. Um, and then they also are the only club level with beer on tap if you're into that. Oh, they have beer on tap. I didn't know that. Yep, they're the only one. All right, I'm learning so much today. That's <laughs> uh, fantastic. All right, so I'm going to have to try Wilderness Lodge uh, club level. What about uh, DVCs, Deluxe Villas? What's your favorite uh, in that category, Robert? <laughs> As of right now, I think Copper Creek is probably my number one because it is the newest and the nicest. Yeah. Um, again, same reasons as Wilderness Lodge. It has the right location and everything, but um, I'm really looking forward to Riviera. I'm, I have a feeling it's going to be high on my list because uh, the self-contained single tower with everything in it, it's got some amazing looking dining options. So I'm... I think that's probably going to be pretty high on my list when it opens. Are you guys there uh, opening night, uh, December 16th? Yep, we are, and we have breakfast that day at Topolino. Oh, all right. So I'm there as well, and I've got uh, breakfast too. Maybe we'll uh, grab a table together. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> all right. So, uh, so uh, I'm sure our listeners have a, uh, some questions around just basic logistics. Alyssa, can you tell me sort of what a typical day or a <laughs> week looks like for you guys? Like the check-in, <laughs> check-out process, and like how does housekeeping come in, stuff like that? <laughs> Um, sometimes when they want to, um, no, so (laughs) they always have to check the room. So it's just something you have to keep in mind, um, when you're planning your day. But, um, so it depends on the day. If it's check-in, check-out day, then it's packing up that morning, making sure we're out by 11. Even Mm -hmm. if we've been in the park till 2 a.m., you still have to leave. So we pack up, we're out. Bell Services comes and gets our luggage. And so they take that. And then we um, generally Uber over to our next resort and we check in and usually our room is not ready just because it's so early. So we sit and I go do some of the activities at the resort while Robert does some work. And so I'll review activities and just see what we're looking forward to the next couple days. And then we check in, we do pictures, we do videos of the room, and then we call for our bags, have them delivered, and usually go to dinner depending on how late it is. Um, so that's a check-in, check-out day. And right. the rest of the days, we're usually doing a half day in the park and a half day working or a half day at the resort um, doing the activities because that's a big deal for me is showing people you're not just paying for a room when you come to Walt Disney World and stay on property. You're also getting all these free activities, and so many people don't understand that or know that. So I try and show a lot of the free activities. I just did um, a really cute one yesterday that I haven't posted yet. So we've there's just so many fun activities they have that people aren't aware of. So I've really focused on the resorts. And we both have worked on showing the room, the resort, everything that's here. You don't have to be in a park all day every day to have a good time. That's a, that's a great point, actually, because on, on days where you're, let's say you're flying in, from out of town and you're getting in like at two o'clock or conversely, you know, you're, you're, it, it's the day that you're leaving, but you're not leaving until, you know, 2 PM or whatever. You, you could stay entertained at the resort that you're at, right? And Disney's perfectly happy to have you do it. What, um, what you meant, you mentioned that, uh, Coronado and Wilderness Lodge have, uh, have great activities. Where's, where's some other, uh, resorts that have really good onsite activities. So boardwalk in Saratoga, um, both have community halls, so they have really good activities and fun things. 
Um, I just did a really cute Halloween magnet at Old Key West. It was completely free. Hmm. Um, we got to put it together. It was super adorable. And let's see, Bay Lake Tower also has a community hall, so they have some really good ones sometimes. And Polynesian, That's oh, they one. have amazing activities. Yes. They have done such a good job upping their game this year. So as far as oh, like good. resorts, they probably have the number one. Oh, and All-Star Music actually has a really cute activity for a dollar where you can make um, a button, a magnet, or a keychain, and the kid gets to color their favorite character, and then they turn that into oh. a little keepsake they can have, and it's a dollar. So just little things oh, like that's that. Nice. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. All right. Uh, so I have a couple of uh, logistical questions. Uh, how do you get mail and do laundry? <laughs> uh, so the mail, we opened a box at the UPS store. Um, there's one near Disney Springs. So that is where we open that up. And we go get okay. that every couple weeks usually. Uh, we went more often when we had a car. But now that we don't, we, we go and get it a couple weeks at a time. And then laundry, if you are in a vacation club villa, it is right. in the room. And if you're in a studio, you have it for free. So we've done our best to do laundry when we're in our vacation club rooms, but there have been times that we had to go ahead and pay for laundry. And so we have to pay like six bucks for a load to do a load uh, at the resort. How uh, You have all of your worldly possessions with you. How much... How much laundry are we talking about here? Several loads. <laughs> I, I, I envision, uh, you know, like those bags that hockey players carry when they're going to games. Yes. I, I envision you guys each with like four of those. Yeah. We have, um, well, with clothes, I think we have five, suit, six suitcases. So if everything were dirty at once, then yeah, it'd be a lot. That, that would be a lot. And so you, you've each got five or six suitcases? No, I have... Two, three. I have three. Okay. All right. When um when when you check into a, a to a resort, is it like seeing old friends again? Do you, like do you know everyone that's there? It depends on the resort. So a lot of them okay. have recognized us um, pretty frequently at this point, but a lot of them don't know who we are. And I mean, it depends on the cast too. If we're there in the morning or the evening, it's different people. But we do have a lot of friends at a lot of the resorts, so it's always fun to go back and be like, hey, we're here. So we have fun with it. Oh, that's nice. All right. Uh, besides uh, the mail and the laundry, uh, I've got a question for each of you. I'll start with Alyssa. Alyssa, what do you miss most about living in a regular house? Um, I really miss being able to decorate however I want and having people uh. over. Um, just having the luxury of being like, hey, who wants to do a game night? Come on over. So I, I do miss get-togethers and just fun times with people and friends and family. Decorating. I, I forgot about that. Yeah, you're, um, you, you've got Disney decor all around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you, you can't change it. That's interesting. I mean, I'm sure that's I could, good, but I don't think good. they would like that. So. Yeah, no one would appreciate that. <laughs> Nobody would appreciate my artistic spin. We got some stuff delivered from Ikea. We just need this room next time. It was great. <laughs> well, even be before we moved, we had every holiday she decorated for. And so to not decorate for a holiday is really weird for us. So we're trying to figure out what we can do for Christmas that will work, like a small Christmas tree or something. <laughs> have, you, have you camped at Fort Wilderness yet? 
We have done the cabins and we are staying at the campground in just a few days. Five days. Ooh, what are the temperatures? What are the temperatures going to be like? Uh, still hot. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. Because I've I've actually camped in December where it's Ooh. where it gets to like forty, and that was no, that was an adventure. But yeah, I would say you could uh, you could decorate your campsite if you stay uh, if you stay long enough. But I don't I don't know that I would recommend that. Yeah, just three nights. <laughs> all right, Robert. What do you uh, What do you miss the most? Uh, number one is stable internet. <laughs> That's right. We were joking about this before the call. That's like, great. Yeah. I I mean, my entire life is online. Everything I do for my work is either online or on the phone, and more online than on the phone. So having difficult internet at the resorts has right. been the biggest struggle and the thing I miss the most. Um, thankfully, I've been able to go somewhere with signal uh, right. a few times, but yeah, that's been the biggest struggle. That's uh that that would probably be the thing that would bother me the most too the uh, the lack of constant reliable internet connectivity that would drive me crazy. <laughs> do you guys um do you guys always eat at uh, Disney restaurants or do you like make side trips to you know Whole Foods or something like that? Well, when we had a car, we would swing by Chick Fil A because it's near our PO box, and so that was kind wow. of our offsite treat we would get. But for the most part, now we just eat at Disney. I have started reviewing some of the grocery delivery um, options. Oh. So I've, we've gotten a lot of questions about that. So I've started doing some of those. So we have had a couple um, fun meals since doing that. that were is, there a grocery, is there a grocery delivery service that you would recommend? Um, from the ones I've done so far, Amazon is my favorite. And so they, uh, okay. so they put all the ingredients um, for everything on each product which is something I haven't found any of the others to do. And for anyone who has any type of allergy, that's a big deal. If you're ordering from a oh, place right. you haven't ordered from before and they have very fast delivery, it's free with Amazon prime. And so it just, it was very simple to understand the website. Whereas um, there were a couple others. It took so much time to understand what they were charging you for. And there were some right. glitches that I spent more time doing all that than trying to get, you know, the 10 items I was ordering. So, Oh, that's fantastic. And uh, have you had any uh, trouble with, not, not trouble, but uh, I think the, the policy around uh, receiving like scooters and wheelchairs and food at the Disney Resorts has either recently changed, or there was talk about it changing. Has that, has that affected you guys at all in terms of like grocery delivery? Um, no. So the policy that changed is just around the preferred mobility companies for strollers yeah, okay. and scooters. So that doesn't affect grocery delivery at all. Um, there's a lot of stuff, I think, going on behind the scenes there that we won't speculate on here. But, um, yeah, it hasn't affected grocery delivery as of yet. Okay. Yeah, there's, um, I, I think the, the reasoning for the, for the change was that Bell Services was getting overwhelmed, which I sort of understand because a lot of people are coming, especially DVC people who are coming. We've all seen the the cases and cases of food yes. uh, that are being dropped off for things like that. I understand that 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 some changes uh, is needed. Uh, again, we'll, yeah, we won't speculate on what's uh, what's going to happen on that. Uh, so, a couple a uh, couple of qu uh, questions left. Um, one: What are you guys doing for New Year's Eve? So last year we got here on the thirtieth, and okay. we'd never been. I got to back up. We had never come in peak season. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> and I'd never been here okay. for any time in the summer. And right. uh, we'd never been here for Christmas or a holiday. And we knew it was going to be insane. 
but we were ready right. for it. So we came and spent New Year's Eve ringing in the New Year at Magic Kingdom. Had a spot right in front of the partner statue. I, I camped out for eight hours with that spot. So really? that was our New Year's Eve experience at Magic Kingdom. That was not the whole experience. Repeat. He's being kind. There was a lot. It was <laughs> it was crazy. We we have really some crazy stories from that day. Like I can't even. Yeah. <laughs> New Year's Eve at the Magic Kingdom is such a completely different experience from yes, any other is. day of the year. It's, <laughs> yes, it's it's, it's it almost new. like it's its own park it was, on that day. It was a very interesting experience. But yeah, I've, we've I've done, done a few it. of them. It, so yeah, you've we, done it. We don't have yeah. to do it again. <laughs> Ever. Where, uh, where, did you, where did you stay um, for New Year's Eve? Where was your hotel? Uh, so New Year's Eve, we were not in a resort because it was still 2018. Oh, so you guys, had to go, you guys had to go back to your hotel. Yeah. So January 1st, we checked into Old Key West. That was our first day this year. My, my all-time favorite New Year's Eve tip is stay at Bay Lake Tower so you can walk home or, or the oh, contemporary. Yeah. Absolutely. Because because getting out of the Magic Kingdom, especially if you want to leave like right after midnight, it's just, it's utter chaos. Yeah. When we left Magic Kingdom, we walked to the Contemporary to get on the monorail to go back to Epcot where we parked. Yeah, that was, that's actually probably a, a better idea than trying to get a cab. Yeah, definitely. It was crazy getting right. out of there. So. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's insane every year. The, 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 I said, I think, I think the best tip is to stay somewhere where you can walk. Actually, I'm super excited for the new walkway between Grand Floridian and Magic Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Because that'll open up another resort that you can stay at without having to rely on uh, uh, transportation. All right. So, final question: uh, What are you guys going to do with this experience when you're done? So, we do have some stuff we're working on behind the scenes. Um, we will still be doing a lot of Disney stuff, um, especially okay. um, trying to keep up with the room tours and whatnot. Um, but we are already planning hopefully to go to Disneyland next year and we do have a trip planned to Alani. So that'll be fun. Disney's best resort. Yeah. So that'll be fun because we've never been. So that'll be new for us, a whole new experience and we'll be able to do room tours there for everyone. And we do have a Hawaii cruise booked as well. A Disney Hawaii cruise, I should say, um, for Disney Cruise Line. Oh, is that, is that Vancouver to Hawaii? We're doing Hawaii, Hawaii to, to Vancouver. Vancouver. Yes. So we're Hawaii going- to Vancouver. That's a okay. I've I've done the opposite. I've gone Vancouver to Hawaii. It's a fantastic cruise. We actually have a lot of friends um, on the Vancouver to Hawaii, so we're apparently on the wrong one because we know so many people. <laughs> but we'll meet new friends, so it'd be great. We love the Disney cruises, um, the camaraderie, the fun, the atmosphere. It's totally different. It's is really good. So that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, all right. So the last question, uh, Robert and Alyssa, how can people follow you on your adventures? So they can find us on our website, which is herewiththeears.com. And then from there, you can find all our social pages. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Pinterest, whatever, <laughs> all that stuff. Or MySpace, Orchid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Reddit. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, good luck for the for the rest of the year. Uh, I'll, I think we'll see each other at uh, uh, Riviera when it opens. I'm looking forward to that. Maybe we can grab, uh, like I said, breakfast or something together. Um, but thanks very much for coming on the show. I think what you guys doing, uh, what you're doing, is fantastic. And like I said, it's uh, it's the dream of many of our listeners. Uh, uh, hats off to you guys for for attempting this, uh, and good luck going forward. Thanks so much. Thank thanks you. Thanks Thank you for us. having us. Yeah.
All right, folks, that's going to do it for the Disney Dish Show today. Please head on oh, over wait, to... Wait, 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 wait. Did, did they talk at all about what they're doing with all of the little soaps? And... <laughs> they did not, Jim. They did not. I didn't even ask the question. Okay. I didn't even... <laughs> Sorry. Just... I... I, I, for personal reasons. Okay, please carry on. <laughs> All right, folks, that's going to do it for the Disney Dish show today. Please head on over to DisneyDish.Bandcamp.com where you'll find exclusive shows never before heard on iTunes or produced fabulously by Aaron Adams, who's a judge in this weekend's turnip growing contest at the Gilfeather Turnip Festival in Wardsboro, Vermont. Pro tip, kids, keep the greens attached for better looks. While Aaron gets his turnip criteria together, please go onto iTunes and rate our show. And tell us what you'd like to hear next. For Jim, this is Len. We'll see you on the next show.